You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. Hidden History is an audio project of Bulletin Technologies, LLC. To find out how you can fly for a fraction of the cost of commercial, visit bulletinflights.com. If you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, odds are you've listened to music. What'll really date you, though, is how you listen to it. Before MP3s, 8-tracks, and LPs, the first commercially available recorded music was pressed into tapered wax cylinders. They debuted in 1889, but by the early 1900s they had been declared obsolete and had lost the battle to Emil Berliner's flat-disc record. The two were the subject of what's called a format war. Just like the fight between VHS and Betamax 70 years later, two will enter, only one will leave. The fight between Thomas Edison's phonograph cylinder and Emil Berliner's gramophone record played out in the homes, hearts, and ears of people across America, and would have forever changed the way that we enjoy music. This is Hidden History. You're listening to Episode 7, Hardware Wars. At a Georgia camp meeting, played by the Edison Military Band. listen to it. That absolutely horrible racket was the Edison Concert Band performing the old Dixieland jazz tune, Georgia Camp Meeting, in 1902, but believe it or not, that was considered good sound quality. In 1887, Thomas Edison created the first method for recording and reproducing sound, the phonograph. The first generation of phonographs recorded and played back sound by using a stylus that was moved by the force of sound waves to indent grooves in tinfoil. The result was a recording that could be played back immediately, but was crude, fragile, and had very low sound quality. They were ruled impractical, and never saw any use beyond novelty and demonstration purposes. It wasn't until a decade later that Edison implemented a crucial improvement, the hollow wax cylinder. Wax as a recording medium was initially developed by Alexander Graham Bell's Volta Laboratories. The cylinder was etched rather than indented, increasing its durability. Edison had the idea to make it entirely out of wax, instead of wax around the cardboard tube, allowing it to be repeatedly shaven down in order to make new recordings. The so-called perfected phonograph was commercialized in 1889, and within a few years the market had expanded from Nickelodeons and arcades to American homes. The modern music industry had been born. To use a perfected phonograph, you would mount a cylinder on the machine's mandrel, which was the grip that held the phonograph cylinder in place. You then set the stylus where you wanted it, flipped a switch, and a spring-driven mechanism spun the cylinder at a constant speed. 
The stylus and diaphragm housing, which translated the movements of the stylus into sound, were directly connected to the amplifying horn, allowing us to hear, with all that crackling ultra-lo-fi charm, the sounds etched into our wax. The cylinders themselves usually span at 120 RPM, giving them a playtime of about three minutes. But because they were made of a soft, malleable wax, they could only be played a few dozen times before the grooves were destroyed and the cylinder had to be cut blank. Something that's important to note about the phonograph is the way that it etched sound onto the wax. The stylus was arranged in such a way that the more forceful the sound during recording, the deeper the groove, creating a linear groove of variable depth. This format is one of the things that led to the cylinder falling out of favor. But why? Well, born on May 20th, 1851 in the Kingdom of Hanover in present-day Germany, Emil Berliner, who would go on to form RCA Victor, wanted to create a cheaper alternative to the phonograph. Mainly, he wanted to change the way that sound was formatted onto the cylinder itself. He wanted to switch the vertical motion of the stylus into horizontal, creating a non-linear groove of constant depth. But no processes existed that could do it while creating the deep groove needed to produce sound, so he invented one. He used a horizontally modulating stylus to trace a groove on a cylinder coated in lamp black. He then used a series of light-sensitive chemicals to photo-engrave that deep horizontal groove onto a metal cylinder. Ultimately, though, it was very difficult to photo-engrave a cylinder, so Berliner squashed it and created the format that would soon topple Edison's own, the disc record. Eventually, Berliner came to the realization that he didn't need to photo-engrave his disc records, but could use wax molds to create a master, serving to improve both production efficiency and sound quality. The record, however, had plenty of problems. It couldn't hold much music, and the machines used to play them, gramophones, were hand-cranked, making it almost impossible to spin the record at a constant speed. These problems were easy to fix. He integrated a spring-drive mechanism into his machines, and with a 12-inch record, Berliner achieved playtimes of five minutes, almost twice that of Edison's cylinders. But there was a problem with the flat disc that was unavoidable. Edison realized it, and it caused him to abandon his early idea for a disc-formatted telegram transcriber, which he conceptualized before the cylinder. It's a problem that still exists on records today, a problem of geometry, and thankfully, not a problem at all. It's called constant angular velocity, or CAV. Simply, the closer you get towards the center of a record, the slower it spins and that presented problems for sound recording. As the record slowed down more and more, the groove modulations needed to make high-frequency sound would need to be closer and closer together. Eventually, they would need to be so close that they couldn't make any sound at all. This problem places an upper limit on what's called frequency response, which is the range of sound frequencies that a given device can produce. But the thing is, Constant angular velocity and frequency response, they didn't matter. No machine had a good enough sound quality to play frequencies high enough to create a noticeable degradation in frequency response, and nobody was recording that high anyway. Edison's concerns were a non-issue. The disc was just all around better. 
It had longer play times. It was less fragile. It was easier to store. It could have more information on the sleeve and the record itself. It was far easier to manufacture. And best of all, you had a song on each side. Edison's cylinders continued to be sold until 1929, but he officially conceded to Berliner in 1912 by selling the Edison Diamond Disc Record. It was official. Emil Berliner had won the format war. And every day tens of millions of people enjoy the music they love in the way that he made possible. So, to finish off this week's episode, Georgia Camp Meeting, recorded by the Dukes of Dixieland in the 1950s on a flat disc record. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.